and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to head over to the Grand Hotel Poop uh, while we have a final vacation of our lives and we learn a little something about ourselves and about others. We maybe get some new outfits and go on some spa treatments, you know, things like that. But all that being said, though, today we're going to be covering a little movie from 2006 called Last Holiday, starring uh, Queen Latifah, LL Cool J, all them, you know, but we'll get all into that. But uh, to start off, uh, Happy New Year's, everybody. So you're hearing this right around the new year, uh, beginning of the new year. So that's cool. Uh, so hopefully you had a good holiday season. Um, I don't really do anything for New Year's really but you know if you do celebrate hopefully you were having a nice and safe time great 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 uh we made it to 2024 which is cool uh, even though the world's on fire but you know whatever we're just trying to vibe twerk through life all that kind of stuff you know but uh i decided uh as i was looking for episodes to do and movies to cover and stuff like that i was planning out what i wanted to do this year and and uh last holiday came up really because uh this is a movie that was released in january it gives me like christmas new year's vibes it does take place around that time um throughout the course of the movie so i thought why the hell not um whether or not this is a cult movie, I mean, whatever, it's fine. Uh, I do think it. I mean, I think like especially at the time, like you know, uh, Queen Latifah has these movies that are kind of their own little cult status type stuff. You know, you have something like uh, what is it like? Uh, beauty shop and then like bringing down the house and and this and other movies like hers but um you know i i just i i thought it would be a fun one to to cover and you know i'll go into a little bit about just the you know uh numbers of the movie and things of that sort but uh, many people may not know that this is a remake, uh, which I'll get into as well. But uh, but yeah, I just thought it'd be a fun movie to cover. Why the hell not? And uh, if anything, I have no history with this movie. I didn't know anything about it um, until I literally decided to do it for the show. And I, I'm honestly glad that I did watch it. I think this is just a really... It's a nice little movie that is really just... It knows what it is and... Uh, it has like this kind of feel good part to it. It's a little weird, honestly, a little little crazy, but you know, overall though, uh, I think it's kind of a who's who of different character actors and I think overall uh, it it's a story that I can get into. Um and I think it's just like a nice feel good story. Um and you know what we deserve that in in these times of darkness, you know. Um but with all that being said, though, we're going to move into a little bit about, you know, the the production of this uh, movie, a little bit of the numbers, uh, get some background about this that you might not already know about. Uh, but without further ado, let's get on to those figures. So Last Holiday was released January 13th of 2006, so you'll be hearing this, uh, you know, beginning of January, like I said, so this released uh, right around that time, which normally is kind of a dumping ground for uh, for movies, as movie people would say. Uh, it has a runtime of about 112 minutes, uh, so almost a two-hour movie. Uh, it could be cut down just a little bit, but, you know, overall, I do think it's a fine, a fine runtime. This is distributed by Paramount Pictures. So generally you can find it on like Paramount Plus. That's where I watched it on. Um, but yeah, that's 
generally where you find it probably um if it's not already streaming uh and this is a budget of 46 million dollars estimated uh so it's a lot of fucking money (laughs) for a movie like this uh although they did uh technically shoot in like uh freaking you know europe and stuff so that's kind of crazy but yeah that's what we're looking at in terms of that so for just, like, box office numbers and stuff like that, uh, the opening weekend ranking gross of this film, uh, this actually was, it premiered on Martin Luther King uh, Jr. weekend, uh, Martin Luther King Day weekend. Um, so depending on who you ask, but generally the numbers I have are, this was opened at number two with $12,806,188. So then... Domestically, it made about $38,399,961. Then internationally, it made about $5 million or so uh, for a grand worldwide total of $43,451,846. So for all intents and purposes, technically, this movie was a financial flop a little bit. Uh, However, critically, it didn't do too, too bad. Um, It's kind of mid where it's just uh, 55% on Rotten tomatoes from the critics for about 123 reviews and then you have 67 percent audience score from about 250,000 plus um reviewers or ratings from people who wanted to rate it um and then it has a three and a half it has a 3.0 out of five on letterboxd so that's what we're looking at in terms of just like the kind of critical response to it and maybe the audience response to it as well so in regards to a little bit about like our crew and stuff like that, so we have Wayne Wang, um, who's the director of this. So he also directed like Made in Manhattan. Um, he's also known for directing the Joy Luck Club, which had a whole lot of Asian actresses um, back in the early 90s. Um, it's, I think, his probably most well-known work, really. Um, so there's that. Um, and then the writers of this are uh, a, a duo. It's Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman. Um, now, they wrote as well uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring Jim Carrey, and then also Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, and then they also did Wild Wild West with uh, with uh <laughs> with Will Smith. Who knows? I might do an episode on it this year because it is turning 25 years old everybody. <laughs> but anyway, uh so that's the writers and we'll also get a little bit into uh the writing of the original script uh because this is a remake of an old movie. So, yeah. And then George Fenton is our composer for this movie. So he is the composer of Groundhog's Day. He did You Got Mail. Um Sweet Home Alabama with our girl Reese Witherspoon, um, Ever After with Drew Barrymore, uh, and also Center Stage from 2000, which I actually just watched Center Stage not too long ago, and I thought it was fabulous. So, love that. Uh, I also watched Ever After not too long ago, too, and thought it was great. Uh, it was, it's on uh, Disney Plus if you have that. Um, and then also, funny enough, uh, <laughs> well, you know I love Sweet Home Alabama. I don't love Sweet Home Alabama. What am I talking about? I love Reese Witherspoon, though. Um, I did get my Freeway uh, Ultra H uh, 4K like Blu-ray. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, yeah. But that's what we're looking at in terms of the composer. I mean, the uh, music in this. I mean, of course, you have, like, Smokey Robinson makes, like, a cameo in this movie. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Then you have Jeffrey Simpson as the cinematographer. So he uh, had quite a career. Uh, he 
shot Little Women uh, with Kirsten Dunst and Susan Sarandon and Winona Ryder. Uh, he also did Fried Green Tomatoes with our girl Mary Louise Parker and um, all thems. We have Under the Tuscan Sun he also shot as well. And then he also shot um, Center Stage as well. And also Glitter. I don't know if I could bring myself to even watch Glitter. I don't know about that. I know our girl Mariah's in it, you know, with that whistle tone. But I don't know. We'll have to see about that. And then the editor of this movie is Deirdre Slevin. So she did this movie, but then she also did a movie called Because of Win Dixie, which I think was based off of a book, if I'm not mistaken, but whatever. Anyway, uh, she didn't really have a whole lot of like editing credits that I could find, really. Uh, but that's what we're looking at in terms of that. And so then we have our cast in the movie. Um, there isn't anybody else like really notable or anything from the, the crew or whatever. But uh, the cast, this is a Queen Latifah, you know, uh, star vehicle, if you will. Um, so as I stated already, you know, she had been in uh, Bringing Down the House, Beauty Shop. Uh, I love her and Set It Off. I think that movie is so fucking good. and Everyone needs to watch it. It's so good. Her, Jada Pinkett, um, before she was big Jada Pinkett. Smith, Kimberly Elise from like Diary of Mad Black Woman, and also uh, Vivica A. Fox, technically, I believe. Uh, they're all in it. It's so fucking good. Um, she also is in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. I think she was nominated for an Emmy, uh, not an Emmy, uh, an Oscar for that, if I'm not mistaken. She's also hair in Hairspray. She's Motorbouth Maybell on the 2007 remake. Um, yeah, and she did Scary Movie 3 and Girls Trip and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, came up from being a hip-hop artist to then kind of moving into uh, being an actress uh, and also, like, kind of undercover queer icon, if you will. You know, she hasn't really ever said that she's, like, a total lesbian, but, you know, we know. Uh, and and love that. Love that for her. Also an East Coast girl. So I think she's a Jersey girl, technically. So I love that for her. Then we have LL Cool J. Uh... This is his, uh, I think it's his second appearance on the show, because technically he was in BAPS from 1997 with Halle Berry and Natalie DeSale-Reed. Uh, check out my episode on that with Girl That's Scary. Uh, but he's also in like, Charlie's Angels, he's in Deep Blue Sea, which I love him in that movie. Uh, spoiler for Deep Blue Sea, but he does not die at the end, which is great. Um, and then also uh, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Uh, fucking great Halloween movie. Uh yeah, so that's a little bit about him. Uh, again, came up as a hip-hop artist and went into doing acting. Is he, like, the strongest actor in the world? I mean, I don't think he's winning any awards anytime soon, but you know what? He's charming, if anything. And, you know, charm gets you a long way, if anything. Um, I don't ever think he was, like, terrible at any of his roles, but obviously he's not, like, the deepest of actors. Do you know what I mean? But he doesn't need to be. He's LL Cool J. He's, he's fine. Um... Then you have Timothy Hutton, who plays Matthew Cragen in this. So uh, Georgia Bird is obviously Queen Latifah, and then Sean is uh, LL Cool J. Matthew Cragen is played by Timothy Hutton. He is an Oscar Award winner. Uh, he won for Ordinary People. I, and I actually have it on my watch list right now. I'm recording this right before Christmas, so uh, I have a couple of these off work, so I have a chance to do it. But... Um, Ordinary People is on Max right now, so I kind of want to watch it, because um, he won for that. He was, like, one of the youngest, uh, Timothy Hutton was one of the youngest, if not, I think the youngest, like, uh, 
supporting actor. I think he is the youngest supporting actor uh, winner because he won that when he was 20. Um, so that's kind of crazy. But yeah, he was in that and like um, The Haunting of Hill House. He's also in uh, The Dark Half, which I think is a Stephen King adaptation. I don't remember, but I think it is. He's also in Beautiful Boy. Um, yeah. So Timothy Hutton, you know, uh, just kind of an all over the place person, but you know, he, he does, he's an asshole in this movie. Uh, so, you know, cool cool awesome and then uh alicia witt who this is her like i don't even know what appearance it would be but uh i think this is her second she was an urban legend as natalie uh but also she is in citizen ruth which is alexander payne's first movie before he did election um and also she was in dune as a little baby child uh she's in twin peaks for like an episode or two of the tv show she's in cecil be demented so she was in a john waters movie and also he's she's in mr holland's opus um and then also like being a hallmark uh, movie queen as well uh i love she was on the mask singer because she was uh, just on melissa joan hart's podcast that's right i listen to their podcast sometimes uh but yeah she was on there because she lives in nashville apparently so that's cool um, um, love that for her. She's apparently vegan as well, so that's kind of fun. I, I like Alicia Witt as an actress. I don't love Natalie as a, a final girl. I think she sucks, personally. However, I think Alicia Witt is a perfectly decent actress. Like, her and Cecil B. Demented is, like, fucking crazy, and I love it. Um... And then like, even her in Citizen Ruth is, like, really funny. She plays, like, the rebellious, uh the rebellious daughter of like the the christian ass family that ruth is brought into so it's a whole thing god i i don't want to go off to a tangent but i was looking and citizen ruth right now it's gonna be going off soon but it's done on pluto tv it was on paramount plus for a minute but there's no fucking blu-ray release for that there's no fucking like physical media for it and i'm so mad about it because like i want that so bad <laughs> But anyway, don't worry. I want to do an episode on it because I'm probably going to do one for election probably this year because it is turning 25. Uh, so I do want to I want to get that in there. It's going to happen. But uh, I want to get Citizen Ruth in there, too, because I fucking love that movie. Anyway, Laura Dern's an icon. But anyway, so <laughs> then we have Drad de Padoux. That's right. That's my French accent. Uh, he's in Life of Pi. He's in 102 Dalmatians. Uh, La Vie en Rose. Uh, he's a French guy. He plays Chef Didier. Um, in this movie, uh, the the chef, the celebrity chef at this like hotel or whatever. And then Giancarlo uh, Esposito, who he plays uh, Senator Dillings, I believe. Um, and he is in The Usual Suspects. He's in Do the Right Thing. Um, he's going to be in Maxine coming up, I think, this year, actually, uh, which is the third installment within the X franchise. I have seen X. It's pretty decent. I have not seen Pearl, though. Um, I do want to kind of see Maxine, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, anyway. And then he's also in Maximum Overdrive, which is a Stephen King directed. And also, like, it's a fucking weird mess movie. I don't know. I don't know if I could do it, but we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, so that's a little bit about the cast and the crew and all and, and all those people. Also, fun little thing, too, about uh, this. A young... Uh, Halle Bailey is in this movie. She plays, if I'm not mistaken, I don't actually... I think she plays uh, one of the... Because George's sister is in this movie for, like, two parts or whatever. And I think 
she plays one of her kids, if I'm not mistaken, um, because she decides that she's going to go off and be like a country music singer or whatever. Uh, but I believe Halle, Halle Bear, Halle is in here. I almost said Halle Berry. Wow. But, um, and Chloe Bailey, um, who is, I believe her sister, uh, and who's also a musical artist as well. Uh, they're both in this movie because they both were in movies back in the two thousands. You know, that's just what you did, you know? Um, and they seem like perfectly, uh, cool ladies um but yeah and then also like jane adams is in this movie so she is from like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind she was also in you've got mail um she's in uh a series of unfortunate events she's in happiness by donald salons um she's like a main character in that movie um yeah like that susan kellerman's in this movie she's plays in gunter we would know her from um, beetlejuice she's in death becomes her she's also patty from Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Uh, so yeah, good, good times. Um, I just found this out, but Ranjit um, Chowdhury, I believe, who plays the Doctor Gupta in this movie, he's unfortunately since passed away uh, recently, but he was in like um, this movie. He was also in Girl 6, a um, couple things, but I just found out he passed away, which is very sad. So rest in peace, Doctor Dude. Um, Emily Lagasse's in this movie too. That's kind of fun. He he um, comes up at the end of the movie as well. Um, but I just thought that was super fun and silly, kind of. Uh, but yeah, those are like the main like cast members I can think of, and then also the crew or whatever. Uh, but a little bit about this film. So if you didn't already know, uh, this movie is actually a remake of a 1950 movie. And so of course we're going to talk a little itty bit about that. Um, because we kind of have to, um, so this is a British movie last holiday. Um, it features Alex Guinness in his sixth starring role. If you don't know who Alex Guinness is, you do know who he is because, uh, well, he's an Oscar award winner technically, but, most people would know him for being Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars franchise. So that guy <laughs> was like a leading man um, in British m- movies. And one of them was Last Holiday. So this was actually um, written and co-produced by a guy, uh, J.B. Priestley, uh, who, you know, he was the guy who like wrote this movie uh, initially and everything like that. But you know what's funny? I found out um, about this is with writing, at least with Last Holiday. Um, so this was written by um, this was written by uh, Jeffrey Pearson, Peter S. Seaman, but also apparently. Um, I found this out that with last holiday in particular, I believe that in some way, shape or form, there was another guy who also helped write some of the stuff with JB Priestley, um, who again, wrote the initial script. Oh, that's what it was. The film was co-written by an uncredited uh, Jay Lee Thompson. Um, Jay Lee Thompson, for those who don't know, he's a British film director. Um, he did quite a few movies. Um, like he did the original Cape Fear, for example. Like he directed that, um, which is crazy to think. But he did a couple of movies in the fifties. Um, like I said, he was a screenwriter for this. He did an additional dialogue. Um, and he directed like Cape Fear, like I said. Um, and then in the 70s, what did he do in the 70s? Like, 
he did something called the White Buffalo, I think it was. But what I thought was really interesting, he also did a Planet of the Apes movie, I think. Uh, but in the 80s, though, he did like uh, Death Wish 4. Um, and But I thought was interesting, though, was that he actually directed uh, Happy Birthday to Me from 1981, which I thought was really funny. Um yeah, because this British ass director, like, who ended up directing this, like, uh, you know, Canadian horror movie. And I just thought this was really interesting. But yeah, that's a little bit about that. Anyway, continue on, though. So, this movie in particular, um, it centers around this guy, George Bird, who is a salesman. And he goes to his physician, and he's told he has a terminal disease and only has a short time to live. So, what ends up happening is he spends his final days in an expensive hotel. And then, you know, all this stuff ensues, right? Um, so, like, for example, you know, this was produced by uh, Wellwind Studios with, um, you know, location shots at uh, Luton, which is in England, Bedfordshire. Um, and, you know, a couple different places just around England, really, it looks like. Um and as I said, you know, Jay Lee Thompson did some of the um, uncredited writing on this. Um, so... A little bit about uh, this synopsis. So, like I said, this guy decides to uh, take his life savings and he goes to this hotel. Um, pretty much, he takes uh, these, he ends up acquiring um, this like suit and these suitcases to make himself look more fancy. Um, and, you know, that's what they, he like um, shaves his mustache off, um, makes himself look more wealthy. Um, his unassuming attitude generates a, t- a great deal of interest among the residents of the hotel because he wears the same expensive clothes as all the other guests. Um, he's like an enigma to be solved. So like there's wild speculations about like, you know, Oh, he comes from this and like his lineage and like whatever. Um, but then the hotel housekeeper, Mrs. Poole, uh, discovers the truth. And then, you know, she, he's like, Oh, Hey, you know, like keep my secret for me pretty much. Um, but yeah, you know, he just is something where people are so like enamored with him and, you know, then he finds out, oh, I actually don't have, um, cancer or Lampington's disease is what he has. Right. Um, and so like, you know, with this, like there's this kind of new lease on life in a way, you know, he has this new, um, sweetheart, you know, he has friends, he has business opportunities where before he was just kind of this unassuming man and all of this and spoiler alert for the, um, original last holiday in case you want to watch it. It is on criterion channel. That's where I watched it. Um, but you might be able to find it somewhere else if it goes off of there. Um, but spoiler alert, so he actually dies in a car accident where he swerves trying to not hit a, a dog that's on his way to be put down. Um, <clears throat> and that's how the literal movie ends, is like literally he gets in this car accident, he goes to the hospital, and then he gets, he dies, and then the hospital calls up to the hotel or whatever, and um, Mrs. Poole, I think, gets the call and then tells, because they're all around, like, having this, like, dinner for him and, like, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, like, he wonder why he's late or whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, oh, I thought you'd like to know that he's dead. And then she, like, goes outside, and then there's, like, this guy playing violin or something like that. And it just, like, fucking ends there, dude. Like, seriously. So I'm like, goddamn, that's crazy. Um, so, you know, that all, that happened. Um, I will say, so, upon its release in New York City in 1950, a guy by the name of Bosley, uh, 
Crowther, which I guess he was like a journalist for the New York Times at the time, um, he called it a, quote, amusing and poignant little picture that is, quote, simple and modest in structure, but delightfully rich in character. Um, however, though, uh, Robert Murphy from uh, the book In uh, Realism and Tinsel, Cinema and Society in Britain, 1939 to 1948, uh, this guy asserted that Last Holiday was not as good as it should have been, uh, given the excellent performances by Guinness, uh, Walsh, who I believe believe plays um Kay Walsh who is Mrs. Poole and then also um James who they're referring to uh Sid James who plays Joe Clarence who I think is like um this guy who's like uh, having to pay off these other guys like in the fucking hotel or some shit uh but anyway in particular he describes the film's production value as shabby and he singled out Priestley's um J.B. Uh, Priestley's uh, trick ending uh, for even harsher criticism, calling it, quote, disastrously inappropriate. So, yeah, that's a little bit about that. But, yeah, this movie, you know, it that happened with that. So, you know, people kind of forget about it. They don't know about it or whatever. But then what had ended up happening was that um, they decided, so... The folks who wrote this, Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman, um, they decided to update the story uh, because they had already had, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit under their belt. They had Doc Hollywood as well, uh, which stars um, Michael J. Fox and, like, Woody Harrelson and stuff like that. You know, they they had that under their belt. So, you know, they thought, all right, we'll update this for John Candy, um, who was a alumna for Saturday Night. Um, he was on um, Second City. I don't know if he was ever... Was he ever on Saturday Night Live? I guess he wasn't. But he's like a known actor, dude. He's coming from um, SCTV. You know, he comes from that. You know, the Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uncle Buck, stuff like that. But yeah, so they updated it with him in mind and with Carl Reiner directing. They, you know, again, Carl Reiner's had like a very prolific career um, directing a bunch of shit, obviously. Uh, you know, everything from. I mean, obviously, he's an actor as well, but like just as a director, I mean, he did like Fatal Instinct. Um, he did, yeah, a couple different things like, you know, The Jerk. Um, yeah. Summer School was another one he did. He also wrote stuff as well. But again, mostly he's known as an actor and also, oh, like, you know, what is it? Like, Rob Reiner's, like, somebody or other, right? Um, <laughs> it shows to, yeah, Rob Reiner's dad. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, anyway. And like, uh, Annie Reiner and Lucas Reiner and all them people. Uh, but yeah, Rob Reiner's dad. Anyway, so Carl Reiner, they were going to like make him direct it. They were going to have him direct it, which is cool. Uh, however, this was shelved because uh, John Candy passed away in 1994. Um, and then years later, uh, the agent for Queen Latifah ended up reading the script. And they suggested that they revise it for her in mind, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. They gave it to a lady. Because, uh, again, she was kind of uh, making her way in the, the industry. Uh, really off of the fact that she was already she already was popular kind of with her hip-hop music uh, at least with the folks who like hip-hop uh, but then also like having living singles so she already had a name within folks who watched living single if anything um, 
you know, but then also having like a Chicago, I think really, really helped, uh, which is then why she was able to get these movie roles and get these movies made. Um, cause people liked Queen Latifah. And so a lot of the actual like uh, gourmet cuisine shown throughout this is prepared by chefs that were part of the food network. And they were actually on their website at one point when they were doing this. And like, for example, like Queen Latifah went on like Emerald Lagasse's show to like, you know, promote the movie, which is funny because like she watches Emerald like in the movie. It's like really silly. But yeah, I mean, um, and really, the movie, like, it, it opened, but, like, again, it didn't do the best with money. It came in right under uh, its budget, so that's not always the best. Um, but a little bit about this, I mean, like, Queen Latifah was nominated for an NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Actress in a Motion Picture. Um, and as I stated, it's about a 55% rating, um, you know, from critics, uh, average rating of about five and a Uh, 0.8 out of 10. Um, The consensus for the movie is, quote, although Queen Latifah's bountiful, life-affirming spirit permeates the film, director Wayne Wang is unable to revive this remake with any real flair. So Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, he says that this film, quote, takes advantage of the great good nature and warmth of Queen Latifah and uses it to transform a creaky old formula into a comedy that is just plain lovable. Uh, to describe the plot is to miss the point because this plot could have been made into countless movies not as funny and charming as this one. All depends on the Queen, who has been known to go over the top on occasion, but in this film finds all the right notes and dances to them delightfully. It is too good to attend to uh, important cinema like Syriana and Munich, which I think were coming out like before this. Uh, but on occasion, we must be open to movies that have more uh, modest ambitions. They only want to amuse us, warm us, and make us feel good. Last Holiday plays like a hug. Um, and, you know, me and Roger got beef sometimes with some of the shit he says. However, in this case, I will agree with him. Uh, and then Ruth Stein of the San Francisco Chronicle states, quote, Latifah's latest vehicle uh, exorbitantly marches towards an ending you can see coming from the first reel. Um, this harmless piece, bit of fluff uh, lacks the element of surprise, but is not without random charming moments supplied by its incandescent star. And, uh, yeah, then, like, Jessica Reeves uh, from the Chicago Tribune uh, gave it three out of four stars, and she describes Queen Latifah as, quote, soft, bold, and very funny, and using this otherwise predictable movie with a contagious charm, she added, quote, while this is not exactly a profound movie, and the message is hardly new, it's testament to this movie's joyous energy that it doesn't matter in the least. Uh, we may go we may know exactly what we're going, where we're going, but the journey is so much fun. All but um, the most peevish audience member will find it impossible to complain. Um, and yeah, girl, like that's just pretty much what it says with this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, and really the plot of this movie, as I stated already, I mean, you know, pretty much they're living, uh, Georgia is living, so it's George Bird in the original, it's George Bird in this. Um, she's living in New Orleans um, at, at this, uh, and she's working at Cragen's department store. Um, the one thing I will say that is a little, it's not odd, but maybe people could, again, this is a movie, is this came out in 2006, and I don't know about you, but in 2005, uh, because I remember this, uh, a little thing called Hurricane Katrina happened right in 
where New Orleans is. So, like, you know, I don't know if they're really going to have um, mentioned anything about that um, and, and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of just weird, I guess. But not in a, a horrible way. It's not like they're going to bring attention to this because, again, it's a movie. Like, it's not like you're going to it's not that type of movie. So, like, you know, I just thought it was interesting, though. I was like, oh. Well, yeah, that would have been around, like, this time. I wonder if they were able to, like, rebuild and, like, do all that. Um, But, again, this is very much more of a feel-good type of movie. So, you know, I'm not going to, like, hold it against them or anything. Um, Yeah, it is crazy. Like, they really did go to, like, the Pope Hotel in, like, the Czech Republic. Like, they really did go to, like, the Czech Republic. This is all shot in, like, New Orleans, like, Louisiana, which is just crazy to me because, like... But apparently, according to IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt, but um, this was actually shot in November of 2004, um, so it doesn't surprise me that maybe it was all before that, Uh, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt and take it for what you will. Um, But yeah, I mean, I already kind of explained the the general idea of this. a few differences is obviously that, you know, um, he, she does have a love interest in Sean, um, and she decides to go to this Grand Hotel Poop in the Czech Republic um, and all that. She base jumps and, like, snowboards and all this, and, you know, she meets these rich people. So Matthew Cragen, who is the owner of these stores that she actually works in or that she's working in, um, and, uh, like, his assistant slash mistress, uh, Mrs. Byrne played by um alicia witt uh then you have mrs gunther um who i don't know who her uh her counterpart in the original is but she's like the um she's like the guest services manager person but she's also a little bit of a snoop um so she like goes through her stuff and she's told by craigan to go through georgia stuff to try to find out stuff about her um but then Gunter finds this letter um, that Georgia had wrote to say, hey, look, like, you know, um, I'm going to be dying. Here's what I want to happen, you know, after I die and all this kind of stuff. And then when Gunter finds this and she tells um, she tells Georgia about it, she's like, you know, hey, look, like, um, I'm not going to say anything to anybody about this. Like, don't worry. Um Although she then ends up telling, like, Chef Didier about it, and that he's supposed to keep it quiet and all this stuff, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, so then there's, like, an avalanche that happens uh, when she's, like, on her way to goddamn somewhere, I think. Or, yeah, she's, like, headed to the airport, but there's, like, this avalanche because she decides I'm going to leave or whatever. And so then, on the, in the meantime, Sean, who's LL Cool J, um, he's coming to the Czech Republic because he, like, checks on Georgia, sees her little neighbor uh, boy and, like, all this stuff. And I don't know. It's just very interesting how that all works. But... Yeah, the baseline idea is that near the end of the movie, um, Cragen finds out that actually Georgia is, like, one of the salespeople that works in his stores. He tries to use this information to, like, embarrass her or something, but really it just is him showing his ass, honestly, and then everyone's kind of disgusted by him, um... Georgia also has an interesting kind of relationship uh, with uh, Mrs. Burns because she kind of tells her about herself and she's like, hey, girl, look, like, my sister has been, like, two-timing on, like, she's been, like, a two-timer before and it never works out for her, so like, I don't know why you think it would work out for you um, kind of a thing because um, these men never want to actually leave their wives for you, so that's a whole thing as well. But, yeah, um, 
And then there's like this whole like um, s- there's this whole scene where Cragen is like drinking on um, the ledge of a- of the hotel. He's like contemplating suicide, kind of. And so then Georgia kind of walks him off the ledge, kind of like talks him off the ledge, if you will, literally. Um, and then like Sean comes and like you know uh, professes his love to her and all this kind of stuff. Because then she also finds out that she doesn't have Lampington's disease. She's gonna live. All this stuff, and it's a nice happy ending because you know Americans cannot take a, a sad ending like this in a movie. We cannot just see Queen Latifah die. Okay, um, I won't spoil anything, but I'm, I'm just saying I don't want to be seeing all that. So anyway, but, uh, but yeah. And so like at the end of this movie, they have like this kind of like, here's what they're doing now. So like, for example, like, um, well, we find out that like Georgia and Sean, they get married and they're getting married. Um, like <laughs> while they're skydiving or something, we find out Mrs. Burns goes back to, um, you to school. She decides to go into spa management. Like Gunter is like a, uh, a private investigator now, uh, her boss from the beginning of the, um, movie uh, who's like this total asshole is always on his phone he got hit by a car and died while he was talking on his phone it was a whole thing up uh, the doctor who accidentally misdiagnosed her uh he decided to like uh, give it all give everything up and like start anew as like a monk in like the Hillean mountains or some shit like that and then mr cragen lost all of his shit and he like then followed this doctor to there it's like so kind of weird but i i don't know it's like kind of a fun thing like this movie is um as serious as you want to take it really um i think it is kind of a comedy drama kind of thing going on um but it's not you know too deep it's not too heavy um which i can appreciate um, but yeah, it's a little bit about that. It, and if anything, like, you know, this movie, like I said, it could be cut down just a little bitty bit, but I will say that I think overall, like, um, it's paced fine. Um, it does kind of all kind of wrap up at the end though, uh, which is fine. Uh, you know, but it, it almost feels like, you know, Oh, like Sean's professing his love to Georgia. And then she gets this fact saying that she doesn't have Lampington's and like, she's saving Matthew Cragen's life and all this kind of shit. Um, you know, so the whole is kind of like, yeah, if anything, it's a little kind of like, uh, all thrown together, but like, it's a fucking movie. Like we have to kind of, you know, uh, what's the word we have to kind of wrap it all up if you will. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little bit of that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's like the baseline idea of what this movie is. Um, like I said, if you already listened to what the original movie was about, you know, it's not too far off. It's just now that it's gender reversed. Um, also the fact that, you know, these are two black leads and not two white British people. So that's always cool too. You know, um, love to see that. But yeah, and a little bit about like our, our just characters in general, you know, we could talk a little bit about them. You know, I think with Georgia, you know, Georgia is just somebody, it could just be that she is just Queen Latifah and I, I love her. But like, I think Georgia is such an interesting character because she really is somebody who I think just like how in the original movie with George Bird, you know, he's this kind of unassuming man who is just like kind of a nothing person. Like he just, he, he's not overwhelmingly like anything really. Um, and with her, she kind of isn't either, you know, she is somebody who, you know, she, uh, cooks like at the, at the department store, which we'll talk about the department store in a minute, but like, you know, I, 
she does these like demonstrations, these cooking demonstrations. She loves like Emeril Agassi and like being able to cook and stuff. She has this like scrapbook of possibilities that she puts into and all this, but she's just somebody who, you know, I don't know if anything, like she is content. She is like at least okay with her space in life, but she's not somebody who makes an impression. Like how this movie opens is her at like choir practice, for example. And like the, the guy who's doing the choir practice is like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, you need to like sing more, you know, you need to sing louder. Um, Cause she is just this kind of unassuming, you know, I don't know if a wallflower would be the right word, but like kind of is, but like, you know, she is this just kind of unassuming person, you know, she is somebody who, you know, uh, she does everything for everyone else, you know, uh, she like, for example, like she also, for example, when she likes makes food in the beginning for like the neighbor kid or whatever, um, she's following this like Emerald Lagasse recipe or something. And she's made this food, but then she herself is going to have a lean cuisine because she, you know, wants to lose weight and she wants to like, you know, try to do this because God forbid in 2006, if you aren't skinny of any sort, like you just aren't a person, you know what I mean? So you got to have a lean cuisine, you know, whatever the fuck. It's so stupid. But like, you know, I just think that it's interesting with Georgia's kind of transformations during this movie because she really does go from being this unassuming kind of nothing person, you know, fades into the background a little bit kind of person. But then also like because nobody knows her and because nobody would know anything about her, she gets to kind of, and because also she thinks that she only has like a few weeks to live, she gets to really reinvent herself, which I thought was really interesting. And I think is done really nicely in the movie. Um, Cause she is a completely different person by the end of it. And she also is somebody who keeps into her faith. She is somebody who, you know, she, she becomes way more, self-sufficient and self-reliant and I don't know I, I just really like that and I think the transformation of that is is really good uh, but to go back to this department store I don't know about you I worked at a department store for however long I worked there for like nine or ten months when I got out of college and um, I sure as hell didn't have a medical center at my department store so Maybe I'm just working at the wrong department stores, but um, I was like, we got to suspend our disbelief, baby. Okay, we really do. Um, I mean, Sean, you know, as a character, again, he's kind of the the dude in this. He's the love interest. You see him every so often, but like, because you have these like, random things where it's like, you know, uh, he helps Georgia, like, go to the medical center. And he, like, he cares for her in a way, because um, he kind of finds out that you know, she's in love with him, but like, you know, uh, he just like, he's comes in and out, which is, which is fine. Uh, cause really this is Queen Latifah's movie. This is George's movie. Uh, really, I think with, uh, Matthew Cragen, uh, he's just like kind of the asshole of the movie. Obviously he is the villain of this piece, if you will. Um, and I really think honestly, he's just somebody who is just motivated by money and greed, obviously. Um, and you know, but it shows because like he's taking advantage of his assistant, um, and you know, pretty, pretty much promising something to her that will never happen. Um, 
which Georgia then has to talk some sense into her about and all that. Um, but yeah, and I really do like the scene where he is trying to humiliate her because she is so it that's what's perfect about this. Is that that's what I like about this is that like I don't know if it, the movie's perfect necessarily, but like I that's one of the things I like about this movie is that you see that Georgia really doesn't give a fuck what this guy is saying because it doesn't matter, you know, like uh by this point she is so you know she's so assured of herself that she is like, you know, yeah, that's all fucking true, but you know what? I got this, this, and this. Like, all of these things matter way more to me than what you could bring up about me. You know what I mean? Like, and I really, I really bang with that because it's just completely different person from when we saw in the beginning. And, and I just really like that. Um, But then I also like that, Matthew Cragen, you know, he's an asshole. Everyone turns against him when he decides to be an asshole. And then also, like, you know, he obviously, like, decides to get drunk and just, go, you know, sit on a ledge, uh, you know, whatever. But, like, uh, but I like that Georgia also goes to him and is like, hey, look, like, you may have been, you may, you may have showed your ass pretty much, but you know what? If you were motivated less by money and greed and power and all that, you're actually not that bad of a guy, you know? So it's like, it's these things of like, you know, she still wants to help somebody in the end, which I thought was really cool too. And I like that. I also like um, Mrs. Burns in this movie or yeah, Miss Burns. Um, I just like it because she she is a little bit of this. So, for example, like when she's getting a massage and she's a bit being a bit of an asshole to like the masseuse or whatever. And Georgia goes up to her and she's just like, I don't like how you're like, I don't know how you're I don't like how you're talking to this woman pretty much. And that's just his energy. Matthew Cragen's energy going off of uh, to Miss to Miss Burns. And, you know. I like that, you know, what's her name? Allison. Allison and and Georgia, they get to have this talk and they become friends. They become friendly with one another. And, you know, Allison is able to get a backbone and she is able to actually, you know, stand up for herself Um, because she doesn't need this like bum ass fuck. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't need it. Like, I mean, money and power, you know, Unfortunately, that is something that you need. Uh, you know, you it's always good to have financial, you know, security and it's good to have money, I guess, in a capitalist society and all that shit. I get it. But, you know, if you have all the money in the world, that's great and everything, but you're going to be so you have no soul. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is no the uh, not to get the whatever, but like, there's no ethical billionaire. There isn't like a, you know, you can have all the money in the fucking world, but you could be completely devoid of any kind of soul, any kind of like humanity, if you will. So, you know, and, and I think that's what Matthew Cragen kind of is a little bit. Um, but he turns a new leaf in the movie. Um, and that's kind of his arc, if you will. But, Allison is a part of that and I think Alicia Witt does a pretty good job at at you know she's an asshole for a minute because she's with this guy and she's like fucking him too but then also like she decides to be reliant on herself and she decides that she's like I don't need this bum ass fuck you know and whatever and so I, I like that and um 
and yeah, it's she's a she's a good character. I like her. And those are like our, our kind of main people, you know. So of course you also have like um I believe it's uh Senator Dillings. I like their little um him and Georgia have this like little scene together because Georgia is a part of a church who um Senator Dillings was supposed to come to, but he had to cancel last minute because of something. But then we find out that he's just in the Czech Republic, like on a vacation or whatever, and she calls him on it. She's just like, you know, you had all these people who were like waiting on you, like people who voted for you and but you know and she's just like i really do like georgia's like whole arc in this movie like i just think she is able to come out of a shell that she was sort of in and because she thinks she only has so much time on this earth or whatever um i really do think that like there is this interesting transformation that happens and i i'm i'm down with it i like it um and it's, it's just great, but yeah, I, I really do think, and I'm trying to think of any sort of like, um, kind of standout scenes or anything like that. Like I said, I think like the scene at the end where Matthew Cragen's trying to like embarrass Georgia and Georgia pretty much just like tells him off. Um, I fucking love that scene. I love a good, like fuck you bitch scene. Like I love that. I don't even know what to call it, but that's kind of what I call it. Like, it's great uh, reading. She doesn't read him, read him, but like, you know, she gets them together a little bit. I appreciate that. Um, I'm always down for that kind of thing. You know, it's that, Oh God, what else is there? I mean, like there's that, um, of course, like, you know, just like <laughs> some of the things of like all the outfits that she has in this movie too, I think are really very well tailor made for Queen Latifah. Um, and there's just some nice fun montages in this as well. Um, of course, all of the things that she does. So like when she decides to go snowboarding and when she base jumps and all this kind of stuff, I always think those are like fun. I do like the gambling scene that they do where like she bets on 17 black and like she literally wins three times in a row and she makes $100,000 at this fucking like casino, which is crazy to me. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, there's some like little standout scenes. Like I said, anything with um Sean in it, like it's just kind of like uh okay, like he's here, like that's fine and dandy and all. Um, but those scenes are always like the least interesting to me in a in a way. Um, but that's just me personally. But but yeah, I mean, I I think like if anything. I, I really do like just like the end scene. I like the scene that they have on the ledge, you know, where, you know, uh, George is talking to Matthew and kind of trying to still help him see the error of his ways and stuff like that. I really do. I, I can get into that. Cause I always like, a I like a redemption if I, if I can get one, you know, if that's, if it makes sense for the plot, if anything, which I think in this sense does, but yeah, I mean, that's a little bit about that. And I mean, in terms of any sort of legacy this has, I mean, I don't think it has like a uh, particular legacy to it. It seems like, um, you know, this goes into the pantheon of some like, you know, some of like the movies that were like, you know, talking about like, uh, not even like the fighting temptations or whatever, but like some of these movies that are, I, I will say if anything, it's definitely in, you know, 
kind of the black cinema corner, you know? Um, this movie definitely is something where it's cool to see two black leads in this film. Um, and you can kind of put it into that as well. And and going to places like, you know, this is not, this is not shot in California or anything like that. It's all shot on location. This is shot in, which is probably why it costs so much to make, because, you know, it's shot in the Czech Republic. It's shot in Louisiana, you know, and they did all that. And uh, I always can really get behind that kind of stuff. Um, generally, obviously, uh, there can be nefarious things for that with like right to work and things like that. But overall, like uh, on location shooting can be really cool. I can really be into that. But I think if anything, like, you know, this movie technically didn't do well financially. However, I do think like it does have a certain place in people's heart. It does feel like a nice little winter movie, you know, which is, you know, again, why I'm doing it around this time. Um, and why I'm releasing it the time I am, but I really do think that this movie just shows that queen Latifah is a bad bitch and I love her. Um, and that she should still be in movies, you know, and she's awesome. Uh, but also, you know, it, it is something where, um, I just think it's a fun movie and I, maybe it doesn't have like, if anything, maybe it doesn't have like the quote cult status or whatever, but I don't know. I think it's like something where people really do like it and they're like, Oh my God, this is like my favorite Queen Latifah movie. This is like my little comfort movie I have. And really at the end of the day, I mean, those comfort movies are something where that is like a little, a movie that has that little cult of cult of comfort, if you will. I definitely think a comfort movie can kind of turn into a cult movie, if you will, you know, not that I'm the expert on it or anything, even though I have podcasts about it, but you know, it's like, it's obviously, but, but no, I, I think that this movie in particular, if anything, I do think you should check it out. If you're at all interested in any sort of cinema with Queen Latifah in it, you know, uh, I think it's worth a watch. If anything, um, this is like a nice feel good movie. Um, you know, so it's not too sad, even though the the subject matter itself is kind of like dealing with death. But like overall, it's not too like serious. Obviously, it's still a comedy at the end of the day. Um, and I definitely do recommend it. You know, sometimes it's on Paramount Plus. Like I said, it it's on there currently right now, but I think it's gonna be leaving at some point um, by the time you're hearing this. But if it's still on there, please you know, go check it out. Um, I don't know if it ever comes on Pluto or Tubi or anything like that, but you know, I I maybe wait for it to stream if you want to. Although honestly, if you want to rent it, go ahead and rent this bitch. Like, go and do it. Like, I think that'd be really cool too. Um, because I really do think that this movie is just a nice little you know, heartfelt movie, uh, you know, go into it, you know, with your arms open, if anything, uh, and your heart open and, and enjoy yourself, you know? And, and I think that's all you can ever really ask for. Um, but yeah, that will do it for this episode of the cult cinema circle podcast. As always, if you want to follow the show on social media, you can do so at, uh, cult cinema circle on, uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm at, I think it's called Cinema Circle, and then on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, it's called Cine Circle. Um, and on Letterboxd, I'm at Jesse J E S S E Kremp K R E M P, um, and that's pretty much the show's account too. I just log what I'm watching. I do little reviews on there. You might be able to figure out what I'm going to be covering. I don't know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about social media stuff. Be sure to leave five stars and like a one to two sentence review on your 
podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Google Podcasts is going to be going away this year, but listen to me on there while you can. Um, you know, listen to the show on YouTube, whatever you want to do. So yeah, rate five stars, give me reviews, comments. Uh, it helps people find the show and, you know, get more listeners on it and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, and I got some fun things coming up in the, the year and everything like that, um, you know, in January and everything. So be on the lookout for that, y'all. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, the secret of life is butter. Take care. Bye.